Section 18 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 10. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in July 2020. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 10. Section 18 the substitute from ten tales by francois coupe copyright eighteen ninety by harper and brothers he was scarcely ten years old when he was first arrested as a vagabond he spoke thus to the judge i am called jean francois le turc and for six months i was with the man who sings and plays upon a cord of catgut between the lanterns at the place de la bastille I sang the refrain with him, and after that I called, Here's all the new songs, ten centimes, two sous. He was always drunk and used to beat me. That is why the police picked me up the other night. Before that I was with the man who sells brushes. My mother was a laundress, her name was Adèle. At one time she lived with a man on the ground floor at Montmartre. She was a good workwoman and liked me. She made money, because she had for customers waiters in the cafés, and they use a good deal of linen. On Sundays she used to put me to bed early so that she could go to the ball. On weekdays she sent me to Les Frères, where I learned to read. Well, the sergent de ville, whose beat was in our street, used always to stop before our windows to talk with her, a good-looking chap with a medal from the Crimea. They were married and after that everything went wrong. He didn't take to me and turned mother against me. Everyone had a blow for me, and so to get out of the house I spent whole days in the Place Clichy, where I knew the mountebanks. My father-in-law lost his place and my mother her work. She used to go out washing to take care of him. This gave her a cough, the steam. She is dead at La Riboisière. She was a good woman. Since that I have lived with the seller of brushes and the catgut scraper. Are you going to send me to prison? He said this openly, cynically, like a man. He was a little ragged street Arab, as tall as a boot, his forehead hidden under a queer mop of yellow hair. Nobody claimed him, and they sent him to the reform school. Not very intelligent, idle, clumsy with his hands, the only trade he could learn there was not a good one, that of receiving straw chairs. However, he was obedient, naturally quiet and silent, and he did not seem to be profoundly corrupted by that school of vice. But when in his seventeenth year he was thrown out again on the streets of Paris, he unhappily found there his prison comrades, all great scamps, exercising their dirty professions, teaching dogs to catch rats in the sewers, and blacking shoes on ball nights in the passage of the opera, amateur wrestlers who permitted themselves to be thrown by the Hercules of the booths, or fishing at noontime from rafts. All of these occupations he followed to some extent, and some months after he came out of the house of correction, he was arrested again for a petty theft, a pair of old shoes prigged from a shop window. Result? A year in the prison of Saint-Pélagie, where he served as valet to the political prisoners. He lived in much surprise among this group of prisoners, all very young, negligent in dress, 
who talked in loud voices and carried their heads in a very solemn fashion they used to meet in the cell of one of the oldest of them a fellow of some thirty years already a long time in prison and quite a fixture at saint pelagie a large cell the walls covered with coloured caricatures and from the window of which one could see all paris its roofs its spires and its domes and far away the distant line of hills blue and indistinct upon the sky there were upon the walls some shelves filled with volumes and all the old paraphernalia of a fencing-room broken masks rusty foils breastplates and gloves that were losing their toe it was there that the politicians used to dine together adding to the everlasting soup and beef fruit cheese and pints of wine which jean francois went out and got by the can a tumultuous repast interrupted by violent disputes and where during the dessert the carmagnole and saira were sung in full chorus they assumed however an air of great dignity on those days when a newcomer was brought in among them at first entertaining him gravely as a citizen but on the morrow using him with affectionate familiarity and calling him by his nickname great words were used there cooperation responsibility and phrases quite unintelligible to jean francois such as this for example which he once heard imperiously put forth by a frightful little hunchback who blotted some writing-paper every night it is done this is the composition of the cabinet raymond the bureau of public instruction martial the interior and for foreign affairs myself his time done he wandered again around paris watched afar by the police after the fashion of cockchafers made by cruel children to fly at the end of a string he became one of those fugitive and timid beings whom the law with a sort of coquetry arrests and releases by turn something like those platonic fishers who in order that they may not exhaust their fish-pond throw immediately back in the water the fish which has just come out of the net without a suspicion on his part that so much honour had been done to so sorry a subject he had a special bundle of memoranda in the mysterious portfolios of the rue de jerusalem his name was written in round hand on the grey paper of the cover and the notes and reports carefully classified gave him his successive appellations name le turc the prisoner le turc and at last the criminal le turc he was two years out of prison dining where he could sleeping in night lodging-houses and sometimes in lime-kilns and taking part with his fellows in interminable games of pitch-penny on the boulevards near the barriers he wore a greasy cap on the back of his head carpet slippers and a short white blouse when he had five sous he had his hair curled he danced at constance at montparnasse bought for two sous to sell for four at the door of bobino the jack of hearts or the ace of clubs serving as a countermark sometimes opened the door of a carriage led horses to the horse-market from the lottery of all sorts of miserable employments he drew a goodly number who can say if the atmosphere of honour which one breathes as a soldier if military discipline might not have saved him taken in a cast of the net with some young loafers who robbed trunkards sleeping on the streets he denied very earnestly having taken part in their expeditions perhaps he told the truth 
but his antecedents were accepted in lieu of proof and he was sent for three years to poissy there he made coarse playthings for children was tattooed on the chest learned thieves slang and the penal code a new liberation and a new plunge into the sink of paris but very short this time for at the end of six months at the most he was again compromised in a night robbery aggravated by climbing and breaking a serious affair in which he played an obscure role half dupe and half fence on the whole his complicity was evident and he was sent for five years at hard labour his grief in this adventure was above all in being separated from an old dog which he had found on a dung-heap and cured of the mange the beast loved him toulon the ball and chain the work in the harbour the blows from a stick wooden shoes on bare feet soup of black beans dating from trafalgar no tobacco money and a terrible sleep in a camp swarming with convicts that was what he experienced for five broiling summers and five winters raw with the mediterranean wind he came out from there stunned was sent under surveillance to vernon where he worked some time on the river then an incorrigible vagabond he broke his exile and came again to paris he had his savings fifty-six francs that is to say time enough for reflection during his absence his former wretched companions had dispersed he was well hidden and slept in a loft at an old woman's to whom he represented himself as a sailor tired of the sea who had lost his papers in a recent shipwreck and who wanted to try his hand at something else his tanned face and his calloused hands together with some sea phrases which he dropped from time to time made his tale seem probable enough one day when he risked a saunter in the streets and when chance had led him as far as montmartre where he was born an unexpected memory stopped him before the door of les frères where he had learned to read as it was very warm the door was open and by a single glance the passing outcast was able to recognize the peaceable schoolroom nothing was changed neither the bright light shining in at the great windows nor the crucifix over the desk nor the rows of benches with the tables furnished with inkstands and pencils nor the table of weights and measures nor the map where pins stuck in still indicated the operations of some ancient war heedlessly and without thinking jean francois read on the blackboard the words of the evangelist which had been set there as a copy joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just person which need no repentance it was undoubtedly the hour for recreation for the brother professor had left his chair and sitting on the edge of a table he was telling a story to the boys who surrounded him with eager and attentive eyes what a bright and innocent face he had that beardless young man in his long black gown and a white necktie and great ugly shoes and his badly cut brown hair streaming out behind all the simple figures of the children of the people who were watching him seemed scarcely less childlike than his above all when delighted with some of his own simple and priestly pleasantries he broke out in an open and frank peal of laughter which showed his white and regular teeth a peal so contagious that all the scholars laughed loudly in their turn 
it was such a sweet simple group in the bright sunlight which lighted their dear eyes and their blond curls jean francois looked at them for some time in silence and for the first time in that savage nature all instinct and appetite there awoke a mysterious a tender emotion his heart that seared and hardened heart unmoved when the convict's cudgel or the heavy whip of the watchman fell on his shoulders beat oppressively in that sight he saw again his infancy and closing his eyes sadly the prey to torturing regret he walked quickly away then the words written on the blackboard came back to his mind if it wasn't too late after all he murmured if i could again like others eat honestly my own bread and sleep my fill without nightmare the spy must be sharp who recognizes me my beard which i shaved off down there has grown out thick and strong one can burrow somewhere in the great ant hill and work can be found whoever is not worked to death in the hell of the galleys comes out agile and robust and i learned there to climb ropes with loads upon my back building is going on everywhere here and the masons need helpers three francs a day i never earned so much let me be forgotten and that is all i ask he followed his courageous resolution he was faithful to it and after three months he was another man the master for whom he worked called him his best workman after a long day upon the scaffolding in the hot sun and the dust constantly bending and raising his back to take the hod from the man at his feet and pass it to the man over his head he went for his soup to the cookshop tired out his legs aching his hands burning his eyelids stuck with plaster but content with himself and carrying his well-earned money in a knot in his handkerchief he went out now without fear since he could not be recognized in his white mask and since he had noticed that the suspicious glances of the policemen were seldom turned on the tired workmen he was quiet and sober he slept the sound sleep of fatigue he was free at last o oh supreme recompense he had a friend he was a fellow workman like himself named savignon a little peasant with red lips who had come to paris with his stick over his shoulder and a bundle on the end of it fleeing from the wine-shops and going to mass every sunday jean francois loved him for his piety for his candour for his honesty for all that he himself had lost and so long ago it was a passion profound and unrestrained which transformed him by fatherly cares and attentions savignon himself of a weak and egotistical nature let things take their course satisfied only in finding a companion who shared his horror of the wine-shop the two friends lived together in a fairly comfortable lodging but their resources were very limited they were obliged to take into their room a third companion an old auvergnat gloomy and rapacious who found it possible out of his meagre salary to save something with which to buy a place in his own country jean francois and savignon were always together on holidays they together took long walks in the environs of paris and dined under an arbour in one of those small country inns where there are a great many mushrooms in the sauces and innocent rebuses on the napkins there jean francois learned from his friend all that lore of which they who are born in the city are ignorant 
learned the names of the trees the flowers and the plants the various seasons for harvesting he heard eagerly the thousand details of a laborious country life the autumn sowing the winter chores the splendid celebrations of harvest and vintage days the sound of the mills at the waterside and the flails striking the ground the tired horses led to water and the hunting in the morning mist and above all the long evenings shortened by marvellous stories around the fire of wine shoots he discovered in himself a source of imagination before unknown and found a singular delight in the recital of events so placid so calm so monotonous one thing troubled him however it was the fear lest savignon might learn something of his past something there escaped from him some low word of thieves slang a vulgar gesture vestiges of his former horrible existence and he felt the pain one feels when old wounds reopen the more because he fancied that he sometimes saw in savignon the awakening of an unhealthy curiosity when the young man already tempted by the pleasures which paris offers to the poorest asked him about the mysteries of the great city jean francois feigned ignorance and turned the subject but he felt a vague inquietude for the future of his friend his uneasiness was not without foundation savignon could not long remain the simple rustic that he was on his arrival in paris if the gross and noisy pleasures of the wine-shop always repelled him he was profoundly troubled by other temptations full of danger for the inexperience of his twenty years when spring came he began to go off alone and at first he wandered about the brilliant entrance of some dancing hall watching the young girls who went in with their arms around each other's waists talking in low tones then one evening when lilacs perfumed the air and the call to quadrilles was most captivating he crossed the threshold and from that time jean francois observed a change little by little in his manners and his visage he became more frivolous more extravagant he often borrowed from his friend his scanty savings and he forgot to repay jean francois feeling that he was abandoned jealous and forgiving at the same time suffered and was silent he felt that he had no right to reproach him but with the foresight of affection he indulged in cruel and inevitable presentiments one evening as he was mounting the stairs to his room absorbed in his thoughts he heard as he was about to enter the sound of angry voices and he recognized that of the old auvergnat who lodged with savignon and himself an old habit of suspicion made him stop at the landing-place and listen to learn the cause of the trouble yes said the auvergnat angrily i am sure that someone has opened my trunk and stolen from it the three louis that i had hidden in a little box and he who has done this thing must be one of the two companions who sleep here if it were not the servant maria it concerns you as much as it does me since you are the master of the house and i will drag you to the courts if you do not let me at once break open the valises of the two masons my poor gold it was here yesterday in its place and i will tell you just what it was so that if we find it again nobody can accuse me of having lied ah oh, i know them my three beautiful gold pieces and i can see them as plainly as i see you one piece was more worn than the others it was of greenish gold with a portrait of the great emperor 
the other was a great old fellow with a queue and epaulettes and the third which had on it a philip with whispers i had marked with my teeth they don't trick me do you know that i only wanted two more like that to pay for my vineyard come search these fellows things with me or i will call the police hurry up all right said the voice of the landlord we will go and search with maria so much the worse for you if we find nothing and the masons get angry you have forced me to it jean-francois's soul was full of fright he remembered the embarrassed circumstances and the small loans of savignon and how sober he had seemed for some days and yet he could not believe that he was a thief he heard the auvergnat panting in his eager search and he pressed his closed fists against his breast as if to still the furious beating of his heart here they are suddenly shouted the victorious miser here they are my louis my dear treasure and in the sunday vest of that little hypocrite of limousin look landlord they are just as i told you here is the napoleon the man with a queue and the philippe that i have bitten see the dents ah the little beggar with the sanctified air i should have much sooner suspected the other ah the wretch well he must go to the convict prison at this moment jean francois heard the well-known steps of savignon coming slowly up the stairs he's going to his destruction thought he three stories i have time and pushing open the door he entered the room pale as death where he saw the landlord and the servant stupefied in a corner while the auvergnat on his knees in the disordered heap of clothes was kissing the pieces of gold enough of this he said in a thick voice i took the money and put it in my comrade's trunk but that is too bad i am a thief but not a judas call the police i will not try to escape only i must say a word to savignon in private here he is in fact the little limousin had just arrived and seeing his crime discovered believing himself lost he stood there his eyes fixed his arms hanging jean francois seized him forcibly by the neck as if to embrace him he put his mouth close to savignon's ear and said to him in a low supplicating voice keep quiet then turning towards the others leave me alone with him i tell you i won't go away lock us in if you wish but leave us alone with a commanding gesture he showed them the door they went out savignon broken by grief was sitting on the bed and lowered his eyes without understanding anything listen said jean francois who came and took him by the hands i understand you have stolen three gold pieces to buy some trifle for a girl that costs six months in prison but one only comes out from there to go back again and you will become a pillar of police courts and tribunals i understand it i have been seven years at the reform school a year at saint pelagie three years at poissy five years at toulon now don't be afraid everything is arranged i have taken it on my shoulders it is dreadful said savignon but hope was springing up again in his cowardly heart when the elder brother is under the flag the younger one does not go replied jean francois i am your substitute that's all you care for me a little do you not i am paid 
Don't be childish, don't refuse. They would have taken me again one of these days, for I am a runaway from exile. And then, do you see, that life will be less hard for me than for you. I know it all, and I shall not complain if I have not done you this service for nothing, and if you swear to me that you will never do it again. Savignon, I have loved you well, and your friendship has made me happy. It is through it that since I have known you I have been honest and pure, as I might always have been. Perhaps if I had had, like you, a father to put a tool in my hands, a mother to teach me my prayers. It was my sole regret that I was useless to you, and that I deceived you concerning myself. Today I have unmasked in saving you. It is all right. Do not cry and embrace me, for already I hear heavy boots on the stairs. They are coming with the posse, and we must not seem to know each other so well before those chaps. He pressed Savignon quickly to his breast, then pushed him from him when the door was thrown wide open. It was the landlord and the Auvergnat who brought the police. Jean-Francois sprang forward to the landing-place, held out his hands for the handcuffs and said, laughing, Forward, bad lot! Today he is at Cayenne, condemned for life as an incorrigible. End of section 18